Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 60 called, You Have Raised a Banner. Spurgeon writes, to be rejected or cast off by God is the worst calamity that can befall a man or a people. But the worst form of it is when the person is not aware of it and is indifferent to it. When the divine desertion causes mourning and repentance, it will be but partial and temporary. When a cast-off soul sighs for its God, it is indeed not cast off at all. When it gets your attention, when honest prayer, ownership leads to repentance, then it can lead to revival. And I've been around long enough to tell you, and I'm sure you know this, that Christians inside the church fall on their face quite regularly. You know, just when I am ready to say that nothing surprises me anymore, then something surprises me. (laughs) And our frailty as humans and the way that we can disappoint ourselves and others abounds. And the more you see it, the more it, it causes you to want to cry out to God. Oh, give ear, shepherd of Israel, David writes in Psalm 80, verse 1. He goes on to say, come and save us. Oh, God, restore us. How long will you be angry with the prayer of your people? You can read through Psalm 80. At the end, he says, revive us, restore us. This is a regular feature in the Psalms where there's an acknowledgement that obviously something has gone wrong And Lord, if we are being disciplined by you, we're going to cry out that you would restore us. Now, there's some poetic uh, language in verse 2 of Psalm 60. It says, thou hast made the land quake, uh, split it open. And while God did do that in the time of Korah, here it's poetic, or you could even say apocalyptic imagery. You've made the land quake. It feels like it's shaking. You've split it open. It feels like there's breaches all around And then David says, heal its breaches for it totters. And to apply it to our lives, sometimes life just feels like an earthquake, man. It feels like the ground's opening up to swallow us, man. And that's hard. And this is the poetry in the psalm. Because in Southern California, we understand earthquakes, right? (laughs) And you've probably lived through several if you've been around for a while. And it's a scary thing. When the earth is quaking, because you and sometimes it rolls, and you wonder when is this going to stop. And I remember a major earthquake that hit when I think Shane was just a baby, and my first in- instinct was to run and get him out out of his crib, and then find a doorway, and you're scrambling, and so much going on. Uh, maybe you could see the poetic imagery here is great civil commotion or uh, the shaking of times of war. Everything's shaking, Lord. It's tottering. It feels like it's going to crash. And I think that, that poetry there is so fitting for how we often feel. We feel instability, unstable. We look around us and we feel like we've lost some control and we don't know what's going to happen. And, and that is when we feel like we're in that shaky place. We know there's only one way to look, right? When, you know, the last year has been 
crazy in our world. Things that, you know, I was listening to another uh, pastor and he was saying, if, if you could, if someone would have told you, and he showed this video, this lady gets arrested watching a football game. She's outside in the stands sitting with her family. She gets arrested by this high school police officer for wearing no mask. And he tases her and eventually handcuffs her and leads her away. She's at a football game, a high school football game. There's very few people in the stands. She's sitting with her family. Comes, come to find out she has asthma, so the mask is an issue for her, apparently. And she got arrested. And the pastor showed the video, and he was like, could you imagine that you would see that in America if I told you a year ago that that would happen? But that's just one example of a lot of crazy things that are so, it's like, you know, people have called it the new normal. And we can feel like we're tottering. Suicide rates are, you know, getting younger and younger. There's a desperation. And David says, Lord, heal the breach. Jeremiah 10.10 uses apocalyptic language and says, the Lord is the true God. He is the living God, the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes and the nations cannot endure his indignation. And then Psalm 46, verse 3 says, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, Selah. And then it goes into the promise of God. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, thy holy dwelling places of the Most High God. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved, even though cataclysmic things are going on. As a believer, how can you be stable? How can you find peace in troubled times? How can my life be a witness when everything else is shaking? I told you guys on a Sunday morning recently, I went to the dentist, and the dentist asked me why I wasn't grinding my teeth. I thought that was a strange question. But then she went on to say that people are coming in at unseen levels, and they've actually chipped their tooth because they're grinding on their teeth because there's so much chaos and uncertainty. And, and I had mentioned on this Sunday morning, she said, how, how is it that you're not? And the door opened, and I talked about what gives me peace. I talked about how perfect love casts out all fear. You see, as a Christian, and this is something that we need to get our arms around, we shouldn't even be afraid to die. Because to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. Paul said, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is, oh, I heard you say it, but I don't think you, I don't think you believe it. See, we're good at saying things as Christians. We can quote Bible verses. But do you believe that to be in heaven with the Lord would be a gain for you? And I understand the human side because this is all we know. Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heaven and come down, Isaiah 64, 1, that the mountains might quake at your presence as fire kindles the brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries. Oh, that you would come down. This is like in the book of Isaiah 64, 1, it's a cry for revival. Oh, Lord, come, because everything else is chaos. The first three verses are about the problem. Thou hast made thy people experience hardship there's no doubt that David is attributing the defeat to God, allowing it to happen. Thou hast given us wine to drink, another metaphor 
that makes us stagger. We're like drunk people who have, we've had too much wine and we're staggering around in unbelief, tottering around, shaken, you name it, this is the image. If you've ever uh, seen a person who's inebriated, it's, it's a pretty sad scene, really, when you think about it, because they're just out of control, stumbling around, can't talk. That's the image that's put before us. Now we shift to the positive. And this is how the Psalms often work, and the victims especially. He goes on in verse 4, he says, Thou has given a banner, you have given a banner to those who fear you, that it may be displayed because of the truth. And then, everybody? It says, Selah. And Selah is a pause in the music, an interlude, if you will. A pregnant pause, you might say, as a speaker. A pause in the music if you're a musician. But Selah has the idea of a pause to let the truth you just read sink into your heart. So you don't just move on without pondering it, right? This is a good place to park, ponder, consider. You have given a banner. If you have an NIV, it says, but for those who fear you, you've raised a banner to be unfurled against the bow, Selah. And a New Living Translation says, you've raised a banner for those who fear you, a rallying point in the face of attack. And then the ESV says that they may flee to it from the bow. You can tell by the different uh, versions that there's a little bit of wiggle room on the Hebrew here. But the idea is God has raised up, the idea of a banner is an ancient flag. And here's what would happen. You know, we, we're all familiar with the American flag. I have neighbors that fly the American flag and they keep a light on it at night and they do all the things that you properly do to respect the flag. I've been at many memorial services where they fold the flag. And if you go, go and look at the, uh, the meaning, what they read when they fold the flag for a veteran. It's an amazing tribute to what our country actually believes about God, the Savior, the Bible, etc. But anyway, that's a, and a banner is, in the ancient world, armies would fight under the ensigns of their gods, the banners of their gods. So they would carry flags, typically. And the flags would have pictorial uh, depictions of their gods and goddesses. So they would essentially say, I'm going to fight this war under the protection of the god so-and-so. And they would fly their flags. Israel often fought with the ark, actually. And that would be essentially the sign of the presence of God. And so you might ask, well, what is a banner? Well, a banner is the idea of confidence in God. And I want to take you to a parallel passage. Just hold your place in the psalm for a second. Go to the second book, which is Exodus 17. Sunday mornings, we're going through the book of Exodus, so we're going to get to this story in full, but I want to just touch on it. This is a, a war against Amalek uh, early in Israel's history. Moses is up on the top of the mountain. Joshua is fighting below. You guys know the story. As much as Moses can keep his hands up in worship and prayer to God, they are winning the battle against Amalek below. The moment that Moses' hands get heavy, they start to lose. It's this sign of when you're worshiping, that's where victory is found. So Aaron and her, Moses' brother and, and another, come up and they steady his hands and they, they defeat Amalek. So they win the battle. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. But the idea is, God has raised up, the idea of a banner is an ancient flag, and here's what would happen. You know, we, we're all familiar with the American flag. I have neighbors that fly the American flag and they keep a light on it at night and they do all the things that you properly do to respect the flag. I've been at many memorial services where they fold the flag. And if you go, go and look at the, uh, the meaning, what they read when they fold the flag for a veteran. It's an amazing tribute to what our country actually believes about God, the Savior, the Bible, etc. But anyway, that's a, and a banner is, in the ancient world, armies would fight under the ensigns of their gods, the banners of their gods. So they would carry flags, typically. And the flags would have pictorial uh, depictions of their gods and goddesses. So they would essentially say, I'm going to fight this war under the protection of the god so-and-so. And they would f- fly their flags. Israel often fought with the ark, actually. And that would be essentially the sign of the presence of God. And so you might ask, well, what is a banner? Well, a banner is the idea of confidence in God. And I want to take you to a parallel passage. Just hold your place in the psalm for a second. Go to the second book, which is Exodus 17. Sunday mornings, we're going through the book of Exodus, so we're going to get to this story in full, but I want to just touch on it. This is a a war against Amalek uh, early in Israel's history. Moses is up on the top of the mountain. Joshua is fighting below. You guys know the story. As much as Moses can keep his hands up in worship and prayer to God, they are winning the battle against Amalek below. The moment that Moses' hands get heavy, they start to lose. It's this sign of when you're worshiping, that's where victory is found. So Aaron and her, Moses' brother and, and another, come up and they steady his hands and they, they defeat Amalek. So they win the battle. So if you go down to uh, Exodus 17, look at verse 13. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner. This has been rendered Jehovah Nisi in Hebrew or Yahweh Nisi. Nisi is N-I-S-S-I transliterated into English. The Lord is my banner. He is the standard of my people. What is a banner? It's a flag, an ensign, a streamer, an emblem, a standard, a rallying point as put up on a pole. Do you guys remember that when the Israelites sinned against God and he sent uh, these fiery serpents among them. Moses was instructed to put a bronze serpent up on a pole so that everyone who had been bitten by the snake just had to look at the pole and they would live. And Jesus in John 3 says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And he's speaking of the cross there that he might draw all men to himself. In some way, this idea of the banner and what you look to and what you lean on, I have a friend that gets in depth in the uh, uh, Hebrew picture language, what Moses would have written originally. And uh, the, the essence, let me just kind of simplify this because I know I've thrown a lot at you. You can think of a banner as a refuge, a focal point, a rallying point, And my friend said, you could render it this way. The Lord is the one I lean on. That's Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord is the one I lean on. And every time I teach this, I have to say, lean on me when you're not strong. Okay, that's enough. Anyway. So I want you to see this. Because in times of trouble, the Lord, I want you to make this personal now, is my banner. Psalm 23 opens with, the Lord is my shepherd. And then you can claim all the rest of the promises in Psalm 23, if the Lord is your shepherd. Well, can you say tonight, and I hope you can, the Lord is my banner. He's my rallying point. He's my refuge. He's the one I go to. He's the one I lean on in troubled times. I'm not fretting. I'm not biting my fingernails off. Look, I'm concerned as much as anybody else, but I know in whom I have trusted. And I know I've got one Savior. One go-between between God and man. That's the man, the God-man, Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. The Lord is my banner. That's what David is saying here. And the same God who brought the trouble, back to Psalm 60, is the same God that is the solution. You say, well, why is that? Why does God allow discipline into my life, then rescues me from it? Well, (laughs) let me ask you a question. You ever had to discipline a child? It's, It's because... He allows us to taste some defeat so that we can see in whom we find final victory. Because you can get away with it for a while as a human, but ultimately you got to make peace with God, man. And you got to live your life for divine uh, purposes, for something that's transcendent. Amen? And so we got the Selah after verse 4. 
And you can see how fitting it is because it's like, let it sink in. Now, we're, we're going to move a little quicker here, but verse 5 stays on the positive. Back in Psalm 60, it says that thy beloved may be delivered. That's why the Lord is our banner for deliverance. And then it's a cry, save with thy right hand, answer us. Lord, we've lost here. We're, we're being disciplined. Would you save? Would you be our banner? Notice that the people of God are called thy beloved. That you, thy beloved, your beloved people would be delivered. You know, God loves us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Do you know that uh, over and over again in the New Testament, the church is identified as the beloved of God. Paul writes Romans 1.7, beloved of God in Rome. 1 Thessalonians 1.4, the beloved of God in Thessalonica. Ephesians 5.1 and 2, the beloved in Ephesus. And so on and so forth. We are the beloved of God. And I will tell you, these ancient cities weren't pretty and if you were a believer in Rome, you might not be the most sophisticated, mature believer. These are places where believers were struggling in the ancient world with a lot of stuff, just like we struggle in our day. But they're called the beloved in Rome, the beloved in Thessalonica, the beloved in this city, because God has decided to love his people. And the moment that you receive Christ Jesus into your life, you're the beloved of God. And even if you're not a believer tonight, God loves you. That's why Jesus came. God, six, has spoken from his sanctuary. This could be rendered um, in his holiness as well. Uh, God has spoken in his holiness, N NAS. He, I will exult, I will rejoice, I will portion out Shechem, measure out the valley of Sukkot. And this simply just means that God now interjects, personally speaks in the psalm in his holiness. And what does he say? It's like you get the answer here. You've been praying? Okay, here it is. God speaks from his sanctuary. He answers the prayer. He speaks in his holiness. And he says, I will rejoice. He rejoices to give his people victory. I will portion out, speaks of control. And then we have some lands mentioned here. Shechem, Sukkot. Uh, east and west of the Jordan River. God rejoices to give you victory. Did you know that? He's happy to see you succeed. In fact, he wants you to have a victorious walk in the Lord. He rejoices. Heaven rejoices over one sinner that repentance that repents, Luke 15. But God also rejoices, we just saw in the psalm, when you succeed, when you do well. When you're faced with that temptation for the 99th time and finally you decide to go the other way. Praise the Lord. And I think we could say the Lord says, good. Michael's getting better. He didn't step into that same pit for the hundredth time. You've been listening to You Have Raised a Banner, Part 2 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 60. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And please follow Walk in Truth on social media. Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow us at Walk in Truth Show. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, sometimes, you know, you say, well, the, the book, of Psalms is medicine for the soul, right? This this is hard to swallow. I need a little, <laughs> I need some sugar with this medicine. Well, uh, a spoonful of sugar with the medicine is from uh, 
from a movie. But you know what? Here, here's the spoonful of sugar that might sweeten some difficult language. When God shows his displeasure, when he disciplines, it's still on the basis of who he is. He's just. He's not just loving. He's also just. But it is also disciplinary that it might turn us back to God. And that's a big part of Psalm 60 and other Psalms that you see is when God disciplines, the, the point of the discipline, and we got to remember this even moving into the New Testament, when Jesus teaches about church discipline, its main purpose is restoration. And there are times when we're you know whistling along and we've forgotten about God and we're caught up in the world and God has to get our attention. And I think Psalm 60 and the last several months that we've experienced as a nation, well, we could say have have been just that. God is certainly trying to get our attention. Does he have yours? And and you know that that's why sometimes the psalms are not all flowers and, you know, tulips. Because sometimes we need a spanking to turn around. But remember the purpose of discipline is ultimately restoration. This is Pastor Michael on behalf of the staff of Walk in Truth saying a big thank you for listening. Tell a friend, keep us in prayer. Have a wonderful weekend. Worship on the Lord's Day and we'll see you back here on Monday. God bless you. And join us Monday for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 60 called You Have Raised a Banner. Hey, have a great weekend. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.